0: Episode 20. This
1: is the Annex Wealth Management SWAT Podcast. Today, Monday, October 10th, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. It's insight and perspective from members of the Annex Wealth Management Investment Committee. Joining us on the podcast today, Todd Voigt, Chief Investment Strategist, welcome.
2: Thank you. Matt Morsey, the investment team manager, welcome to you. Hi, hey, Danny. And Trevor Nargis, trader and research analyst. Good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. So looking at the weekly data. If you would have looked at market performance last week, you would have thought that it was kind of quiet, right? We just ended the week up 60 basis points. Uh, In reality, not so much the case. Pretty uh, big up days early in the week. And then um, kind of a rough end of the week here. Kind of take a step back and look at things from a higher level perspective. So talk about what's going on with companies' earnings, some of the market internals that we're seeing, some things going on with the Fed. Let's jump into it right away. Uh, Todd, you and I were talking this morning before we hopped on the podcast here and talking about companies' earnings in general. I think that's been a strength so far throughout the year is that companies' earnings have been strong, right? They've been able to pass on higher costs to the consumers, have seen margins take somewhat of a hit, but for the most part, been relatively solid. I think one thing that we wanna look at and kinda let you zoom in on this here is, you know, we're watching volumes, right? It's it's good that margins have been growing somewhat on a nominal basis, but I think sales volumes are gonna be something extremely important for us to watch.
1: The note I want to make on that is that you've got to focus on volumes. I mean, companies should be earning 10% or growing 10% in terms of sales growth uh, because inflation's up 9%, 10%, but it's it's really the focus should be on volume. So you're right. So far, strength's been in earnings. We'll see what that looks like when we go through earnings season this time. But the key going through earnings season this time, like you said, is is the focus on volumes. The other strength I I noted is that energy seasonally strong this time of year. Energy's been strong all year, but then you're going into the winter season and a seasonally strong, so you should have some support there and then the market as a whole.
2: I think one other thing too, from a strength standpoint, at the risk of sounding simplistic, I would think that us being in October could be a strength in and of itself. October's typically a pretty strong month, more so in midterm election years than other years, and even just being in Q4 in general, zooming out, looking back at historical data what quarters of the year typically perform the best and that typically is q4 so kind of taking those two pieces of information in stride here right being in october but then also being in q4 could be a strength in and of itself you know we've seen pretty meaningful downside about the third worst starts of the year if we're going through the end of september one of the worst starts of the year so potentially could be looking at somewhat of a rally here in the end of the year
0: yeah, and I think too to jump in here, a strength that we can look at is the labor, you know, the labor situation right now. Last week what really caused the big down day at the end of the week was how strong the labor report was. And although that could transition really nicely nicely into a potential weakness going forward because it gives the Fed room to continue their rate hike cycle. But, you know, everyone sees that as you go out, is that people, if they want a job, they can get a job. I went out to eat last week, and the place, the restaurant I went to was closed at 7 p.m. at night because they had no employees. And that was a very, very busy chain that has specials on Tuesdays that normally you'd be able to go to and get a seat. But when you look at that, that's a huge strength for the economy right now, that although the Fed has been r- hiking rates so much, that hasn't taken an imp- impact yet, and people have jobs that want jobs.
1: Right. Move on to weaknesses. I got a weakness in decelerating economic growth and then something that tied into what we were talking about before, not to mention you've got Fed tightening and the decelerating growth, but you also have negative real earnings and negative real earnings when you factor in inflation and declining volumes. And so we'll see how that shows up in earnings season.
2: Yeah, I would think that the Fed tightening is is a weakness to kind of maybe touch on a little more here is that typically any time liquidity is being pulled from the system, typically bearish in the in the short term here for risk assets. Ever since, I, I would say throughout the post-GFC era, liquidity and central bank support has been a really big catalyst for helping lift equities higher. And so pulling that away, central banks unwinding their balance sheets, I, I would definitely think that that's a
0: weakness. Yeah, you certainly, you know, the old saying is you don't want to fight the Fed. And right now, the Fed is not on the side of equity investors. With their increase of rates on a continuous basis, 75 basis points, which we've talked a lot about, has started with a point of zero. And so the impact of it is significantly higher than what maybe past cycles have looked at. But they're also rapidly starting to remove assets off the balance sheets, which is something that doesn't get talked about nearly enough. But the impact there is going to be stark as we head into the end of the year and to next year as well, too. That's an area that's going to pose a lot of headwinds for the equity markets. Right. Decelerating
1: economic growth part, you know, there's this issue about soft landing, hard landing. And we're going to get into that in terms of threats later. I, I want to save something for that. But um, the probability is on the side of a hard landing. And, and, and given what the Fed tightening has done so far, they could probably stop right now and not avert a recession in early 2023. I think it's when you look in the, throughout history, you've had... Fed rate hike cycles that may not have led to recession. 94 comes to mind, but that's when you got productivity going through the roof. Now you got productivity plunging. So that's a weakness in the economy going forward that the labor market might reverse toward the end of this year.
2: Yeah. And one final thing I'll add to that is kind of touching on the pace of the rate hikes. This is something that the analyst team, we've been looking at a decent amount here lately. And just looking at the pace of this hiking cycle relative to other hiking cycles. Our colleague Jason Cooper and I put our heads together on this last week and plotted out all previous rate hiking cycles going back to the 70s and just looking at how fast the Fed has really been moving here. I definitely think that's a weakness uh, to, to note here.
1: Great point. Let's segue into opportunities and coming off of that decelerating growth and Fed rate hikes is there's an opportunity that we hadn't talked about was inequities. You gotta keep in mind we might talk about a hard recession in early two thousand twenty three and the worst part of that recession maybe later in spring. But the economic cycle and market cycle are two different things. Market cycle's well ahead of the, the economy. So if you can tell when the bottom of the economy is going to be next year, back up six, nine months, you you can kinda tell where the bottom of the market's gonna be. If you go by that, not all is bad. you You've already got a market down twenty five percent year to date, and it reflects probably what the Fed's doing. You got the bond market with five year forward rates and and break even rates in the low twos on uh, when it comes to inflation. That's telling you that the Fed's uh, being too aggressive in its rate hikes. You likely will end up in that recession. But again, the, the back in March of '03, March of '09, March of '20, the 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 bottom of the market was in March. The bottom of the economy was three months later. So now, in a U-shaped bear market like the extended mm-hmm. one we're in right now, and you're you're well into nine, you know, nine and a half months into this bear market, you have a long drawn-out bear market. You're probably f- bouncing around at the bottom here with some rallies and you know pullbacks and so forth. It's not unusual, but at some point, the market gets a catalyst and, and moves up quite rapidly. So the thought that, well, let's just get out and wait for the market to turn around. That doesn't work too well. It never has worked real well, in my opinion. So the best course of action in, in all along is to stay invested. Yeah, we pair back positions. We reduce equities. But to really make a difference, you'd have to reduce equities a lot to, to hedge any downturn in the market. You, you know, And after three really good years, in the market, you're pre- pretty much due for this type of uh, of pullback in stocks. They weren't coming off of huge valuations in a stock market bubble, a pandemic, a real estate market bust. You know, It's a good old-fashioned recession that we're heading into, but the market's already reflected that.
0: Yeah, and I think that actually leads really into a nice conversation about what asset allocation is, and making sure that you're positioned the right way. I know we talk a lot on the radio about making sure that you're reviewing your portfolio. And a lot of it, like you said, is not about 100% changes of going to all the cash or coming all back into equities, but making sure you're positioned for the best opportunity moving forward for your risk you know, for your risk levels. So there's certain areas of the market that I think look attractive that we've talked about in the past. Emerging markets, small cap securities, um, areas that are able to do well in this environment and, and going forward as well too. So making sure you have the right overall asset allocation and making sure that you have that right, right correct risk level, but to be able to take advantage of those opportunities that they're are in the market. Like Trevor, you said that this fourth quarter of this year, coming off of a midterm election that we'll see uh, coming up soon and heading into next year, is really from a historical standpoint the best time to be invested in the market.
2: One thing, you know, a quote that I've been seeing kind of making its rounds over the course of the weekend is that most of your money is made in bear markets. You just don't realize it at the time. Typically, when you do see pullbacks like the kind that we have right now, when you do see sentiment and positioning as bearish as it is, usually over the long term, for long-term investors, uh, it's it's a good time to put some money to work. I think kind of backing that up with some more tangible evidence, so to speak, is that we have very bearish sentiment across the board from individual investors. Uh, we've talked about the AAII bull bear spread that's been near record lows. It's come back a little after last week, but the sentiment among individual investors has been very bearish. Now, one caveat to that is that hasn't really been reflected in positioning. That's one thing I was looking at this morning is pulling in, okay, the surveys have been pretty bearish from a sentiment standpoint, but does the positioning actually reflect that? We can kind of get into that as a threat a little bit later, but there's still room for maybe some more outflows in equities, but sentiment is still very depressed. Mm -hmm. Now on the institutional side of things, you have really bearish institutional positioning. So CTA's positioning at very bearish levels, typically bullish for equities. CTA,
1: commodity trader advisor.
2: Right, and that's going to be their allocation to equities, though. So their allocation to equities is still pretty bearish and over, over the long term, usually pretty bullish for stocks. Now, obviously, nothing's perfect, right? It could be different this time. That trend could hold. But taking it at face value, institutional positioning, pretty bearish. So I, I think kind of dialing that back to, you know, when we have starts of the year that are this bad tends to translate into higher implied future returns.
1: One thing I'd like to add to the opportunity part before we leave it is the yields on one- and two-year treasuries are in that 4.2 area. you got yields on money markets, two point three two fifty. Okay, and then one point I want to make about that is as, as yields rise – the difference between what you get in a bank and what you get in a money market mutual fund or treasury starts widening. So the banks are not real quick to raise rates. They got to make up for my 1.65 loan on my truck. They've lost money with these low interest rates. So they're not going to be too quick. We can get through Schwab TD Fidelity really good yields. And, and And if you're imagining that at some point the Fed pauses, you're in a peak yield situation possibly one more rate hike would give them a little extra boost. You're looking at four plus percent yields on just flat out treasuries. If you say, "Well, are they FDIC insured?" Well, no, they're they're not because they back the FDIC, and you're standing in front of a line of everybody else that that has CDs and anything else. So they're really safe for good risk adjusted return. You're already over four,
2: and that's one thing that we've talked about throughout the course of this year too is the duration trade, right? moving out the curve taking out a little bit more duration because if we do start to see like you said if we do hit somewhat of a peak yield environment you're locking in those higher rates for longer now in the event that rates do come down uh, those those longer dated bonds that you locked in at higher coupons are going to be a little more attractive
1: you know just really quick i had a really good question on an inflation webinar from some average person it says why would i lock up a 375 10 year treasury when two-year and one-year treasuries are paying over four? And the answer is because that four can go down to 375 to 350 as next year and the year after the Fed may lower rates, Uh, but that 375 will stick. So you do want to get some of that extra duration, as you mentioned, or extend the maturities a bit.
2: Right, right. And that's that's that reinvestment risk that we talk about, right? The risk at reinvesting your money at lower rates. Let's pivot into threats here, Todd. What do you got?
1: Fed tightens too much already. They could stop tightening and it won't avert a recession. Yield curve, uh, you mentioned it before, but I looked back and I've listened on the radio, business talk radio, and you talk in terms of absolute numbers, you know, half a percent higher rates on short-term treasuries than on long-term treasuries. Well, half a percent on 2% is different than a half a percent on 6%. So you take the proportion of 2 divided by 10, your yields and go back through time and proportionate, they're higher than at any time since the early 80s. And what happened afterwards was that the notorious recession that follows an inverted yield curve. Well, if it's higher than it's been in, in previous periods proportionally, it would tell you you don't need much more to tell you you're, you're heading into a, a recession. But again, I want to emphasize that the the economy and the market are two different things. The market's going to precede that Bottom in the in the economy, and that would likely be somewhere in this fourth quarter over winter that you'd see a bottom in stocks.
2: Yeah, and I think speaking of a bottom in the in the economy, Matt did a nice job of prefacing this earlier. Is that the Fed could still do more to help cool down the labor market? I think that's a threat in and of itself. Is that the labor market is still so strong that if they are looking to kind of help cool demand, well, if you have people who are losing their jobs, there's not going to be as much money to spend. That inherently should help kind of bring down demand there. Payroll data was still strong. And I think that's why the market really took that on the chin last week is because that basically gives the Fed some ammo to continue on their hawkish cycle.
0: Right. And I think one threat that we need to monitor, because uh, I don't think it's really flushed out yet, is the housing market. With mortgage rates as high as they are, 6%, 7%, prices increased so much coming off of, of COVID, we're in this weird environment where I don't think it's really a, a buyer or a seller's market. And with that, you're kind of people that are looking to buy home are probably only doing it right now on reasons that might be outside of their control. And if we keep watching that, if unemployment starts to tick up, and people are not able to make their mortgages, even though they might have had a low rate. They might be forced back into apartments. They might be forced to sell and buy at a, at a much higher rate, which is going to be tighter on their budget. And that's an area that we need to watch if um, where housing prices go, supply of houses, default rates. Now, thankfully, we're in a much better environment than we were in the financial crisis with in terms of subprime lending and the quality of credit scores that went into these mortgages. But that's something that could start to have cracks going forward.
1: Headline for strength would be uh, seasonality favors a market rally over the fourth quarter, first quarter. Yeah, I think
0: the labor market right now is a strength for the markets and the economy.
1: Weakness, got decelerating economic growth and Fed tightening in the midst of that. Opportunity, Trevor.
2: We've continued to kind of pound the table there on small caps. I think for longer-term investors, now's not a bad time to put money to work in equities. And at the same time, looking at emerging markets there and keeping an eye on, on fixed income in general and potentially locking in some higher yields. And
0: threats? Mine's the same as the weakness. It's the Fed tightening and the ramifications of that and, and the, what could potentially happen in the housing market.
1: Mine would be yields proportionally more inverted than they ever been. Episode 20, Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast. Matt Moore is the investment team manager. Thank you. Thank you, Danny. Todd Boyd, chief investment strategist. Thank you. Thank you. Trevor Nargis,
0: trader, research analyst. Thank you. Thank you, guys.